see if you can relate to this experience that I have had at least a handful of times, at least as I can recall. Um, you're out and about. It's kind of around lunchtime, kind of around maybe around dinner time, And all of a sudden you realize it strikes you. I am close to a Chick-fil-A. I'm close. Yeah, you have that. You know, I'm, I know, I know there's one nearby. So you type it in your phone or whatever you do. You head off to Ch Chick-fil-A with great anticipation, fantasizing about that Chick-fil-A sauce, those fries. Oh, yeah. Okay. They're coming closer. So this fantasy has become, become more of a reality soon. Okay. So you pull in, you go into the parking lot, and all of a sudden you go, no. What happened? It's Sunday. Curse you, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> anybody ever had that happen before? We have had that happen at least a handful of times. You see, since 1948, Chick-fil-A has been closed on Sundays because Truett Cathy, its founder, who was a Christian, began a legacy of being willing to lose now, really, millions. You know, I heard, I read, heard somewhere that Chick-fil-A is something like the third, like the third or fourth grossing fast food restaurant in America, and they are closed on Sunday, as, to, as Kanye would say. Um, so they began this legacy of losing millions, of being willing to lose millions of dollars in profits in order to give employees a day of rest by closing his restaurants on Sunday. See, Truett Cathy, he understood that importance of ceasing from work one day a week in order for not only him, but for his employees to really begin to benefit from what it means to have a work-life balance. Have you ever found yourself just longing for a work-life balance? I know I have. Wishing that your life was maybe a little best, less hectic or, or hurried or stressed where you didn't feel like your, your feelings and your emotions were constantly at the mercy of all that was going on around you and in your life. You know, that longing to be able to truly experience what Jesus said when he said, come to me, all who are labor." All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I mean, how often do you find yourself longing also for a, a deeper and more intimate relationship with the Lord, yet you find that, that personal issues and life and all that's going on and the demands seem to hinder that intimacy you desire? See, here's, here's the thing for me is, if as followers of Jesus... Resting in the Lord and experiencing Him at a deeper, deeper level are desires, true desires of our heart. Why is it that it, it feels so elusive so often? Why do we struggle to have that so much? Is there anything that we can do to make these things more a part of our life? And you know where we're going with this, obviously. Yes, there is. Fortunately for us, there is a way to find these things. And it's found actually in one of the Ten Commandments. The fourth commandment, the fourth commandment is probably, it's the longest commandment of all the Ten Commandments, the most detailed. And really, I believe it's probably the most misunderstood and most neglected of all of the Ten Commandments. And it's observing the Sabbath. 
Now, many of you know the, the job that I, I took on after being a pastor is really now I'm a pastor to pastors is what I do. I work with an organization where we come alongside pastors, missionaries, leaders in Christian organizations and just be there to encourage them, to counsel them, to whatever it takes to help keep them in the game. Because as many of you know, a lot of Christian leaders are leaving the ministry, falling out of the ministry. So that's what I do. And you know what I'm finding out in the six, only the six months that I've been doing this, I have found out that really this commandment, actually the disobedience and not adhering to this commandment plays a very, very large role in the struggles that many of the Christian leaders that I work with, many of them. Just this week, I've had conversations about the importance of Sabbath. Actually, this, this, this week, I've had conversations with pastors, Christian leaders this week, who said these to me, Sabbath, what's that? That's a huge issue. Oftentimes I say the same thing, Sabbath, <laughs> what's that? Yet here's the thing, observing Sabbath is about much, is so much more than learning how to reap the benefits of a work-life balance. It really is. The first slide that I put there in there, it says true biblical Sabbath goes to the core of what it means to not only discover a truly rest-filled life, but it's an essential way to continually deepen our intimacy with God. Now, it's important to understand that this commandment, along with the other ones, it's, it's not about rule keeping, okay? It's not rules that we must obey in order to, to earn God's favor. Really, what the commandments are, are a picture of what it looks like to live in freedom and to live under the protection of a wise and good heavenly father who loves us. I love the illustration of the Ten Commandments, and especially this one can be seen like as a guardrail on a road. Ever been on one of those roads where you're turning a corner and on the right of you is nothing but sheer nothingness? Have you ever been on a road like that and there's no guardrail? That is freaky. I'm thinking about that cliff the whole time. But when I'm driving along a road and I see a guardrail there, I really don't worry about it. My wife does because she hates my driving. But other than that, I really don't worry about it. And that's what these commandments are meant to be. Not like you have to do this. No, they're meant to allow us to be able to really, in a sense, drive along this journey of life and enjoy it the way God intended us for it to, knowing that there are guardrails that keep us safe. So I want to look at this verse that Avery read here, Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Let me read it again for us. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, let's begin. Let's, let's start this off by first talking about what is Sabbath. Okay. Another uh, one on your slides there it says the word Sabbath means to cease. 
Okay, it means to cease, it means to end, it means to rest. In verse 7, we see that after spending six days after, of creating, God rested. He stopped, he ceased from his work. This is a reference back to Genesis chapter 2, where it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work and all he had done in creation. Now, obviously, we know it's not that God needed rest after six days. It wasn't that God, like God was pooped. Okay, I was like, oh my gosh, that Milky Way, whoo, man, that was brutal. Have you seen Saturn and that ring and all that? Have you seen that? Oh man, that was, that was a chore. No, it wasn't that way at all with God. Really, his, God's resting was really an, an integral part of the creation process. Okay, it's something that was actually intentional part of it by God. And saying to remember the Sabbath means that the Sabbath was not something new. This wasn't a new thing that he was introducing when God gave the Ten Commandments. The people were being called to remember a very important principle that they had already been instituted for them a long time ago. See, stopping from work for an entire day and resting are to be a fundamental rhythm of our life. I'm going to say that again. Stopping from our work, mentally also, for an entire 24-hour period and resting are to be a fundamental part of the rhythm of life. Now, before you start to feel guilty, before you start to stress out, let's talk about this a little bit, what this is about. Remember, this isn't a rule. This isn't something that earned God's favor. It's something that God has given us as a gift. So that means it's probably something we're gonna to have to be very, very intentional about. So in saying that God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, it means that he literally set the seventh day apart as sacred. God deemed it as special to be uniquely different from any other day. And we as his people were meant to view it that way. Now for the Israelites, they were not only to remember the Sabbath to show them that God rested from his work, but they were to remember the Sabbath in order to remind them of all that God had done for them. In a parallel account of the Ten Commandments found in Deuteronomy, after telling the people to remember to observe the Sabbath and keep it holy, just as in Exodus, God tells them, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord you God, your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So in remembering to keep the Sabbath, the people were to remind themselves that how God had saved them out of 400 years of brutal slavery. By the way, there was no day off. 400 years of working seven days a week. I was looking over these notes this morning and I thought, you see a correlation here a little bit in working seven days a week and slavery? I don't think that's not, that shouldn't be lost on us. That shouldn't be lost on us at all. So we see that Sabbath is to be seen both as a reminder of God's creative plan 
and of his saving grace. But you know what? There's even, there's even more. In the book of Leviticus, we read that six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. Now, this phrase, holy convocation, has the meaning of, of a divine appointment. It's, it's supposed to be a time set aside to be with God, to learn from his word. And really, most likely, it, that this happened, as they were talking about here, in a setting much like this, what we're doing now. So we see that in the Old Testament, the Sabbath, along with being a day that is set apart or set aside for resting from business as usual and for remembering God and his saving grace, it's also meant to bring this really unique time set aside for meeting with God, however that might look. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, some specifics of that. But it's all it's about replenishing our soul. I was thinking about that when we were singing these thank you. Those songs were great. Because I don't know about, I've told some of you this, that I read somewhere that one of the, someone was in an article was talking about why do we go to church? And one of the, one of the top reasons this guy said was because we're forgetful people. How often do you come to church? Here's something you've heard a hundred times. Boom. Or you sing a song and the truth of that song just hits you. We're forgetful. We forget. So gathering like this is a reminder. That's why coming together is so important. Not because, oh yeah, I gotta go to church. No, it's because God's gonna probably do something unique that he doesn't do any other time. So let's take advantage of that. And the same is true with this. So I, I, I kind of look at this whole idea of how to remember Sabbath as consisting of three R's. And I have them there in your notes. Three R's, resting, remembering, and replenishing. Okay, resting, remembering, and replenishing. We rest from our work. We remember God's saving grace. And we replenish our souls by meeting with him in his word and with his people. So that's all the Old Testament stuff. Let's look at some New Testament here. In the New Testament, with the coming of Jesus, we see that he brings a whole new component to the conventional understanding of Sabbath. You see, by the time Jesus came, you know this, that the, the Jewish leaders of that day, the, the consummate rule keepers, they had essentially made the Sabbath all about what you could and couldn't do. I'm sure you've heard in sermons here about, you know, you can't spit on the ground because that's making mud. I mean, all these crazy things that they had made it all about do's and don'ts. What was, what was, it was what it was lawful to do and what wasn't lawful to do. In a sense, what they were doing is they were bringing the people back to slavery, slavery to rules, slavery to rule keeping as a means of pleasing God. Well, Jesus, on the other hand, made it a point to emphasize that the Sabbath was not about doing one's ritual duty, okay? Taking a day off, going to church, that's not about doing our ritual duty, but it's a day of freedom, this is about freedom, freedom from having to measure up to, to a set of rules or do's and don'ts in order to earn God's love and favor. It's to be seen as a practical and holy gift that is given to us for our good. 
In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What this means is that we're now free to walk in obedience and submission to the authority of God in our lives simply because we know that we are absolutely and perfectly loved. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that just a great news? We don't need to earn God's favor. I don't know about you, but I'm still trying to figure out that. I've been a Christian a long time. I've been a professional Christian for a long time. I'm still trying to figure out what does it mean to practically live out the truth that I am God's beloved child. How that, if, how that impacts my insecurities, how that, that impacts how I, people see me, how that impacts how I see other people. I feel like I'm still a child in that. But that's what the Sabbath thing is supposed to be all about, helping us with this stuff. The reality is that Jesus fulfills the Sabbath. Because of him, we don't have to work for God's favor anymore. We rest in his righteousness and not on our own. You see, Sabbath is about ceasing from our work and resting, not only physically, but spiritually as well. This week, it's interesting. I was, as I, I knew I was going to be preaching on this, gone over this. This is something that I'm really passionate about for my trying to learn in my own life, but in others and the pastors and leaders I'm working with. But it just so happens that one of the books, one of the authors that I spend a lot of time with, with the people I work with, how many of you probably heard of Pete Scazzaro. And he's got some wonderful books on being emotionally healthy. Um, this book, I, re- I was reading this right now because this is one of the uh, books that's really prime in our ministry that I work. It's called The Emotionally Healthy Leader. And I just so happened to be on this chapter this week with reading. And it, it was interesting. It hit me. So I didn't have this in my notes, but I, I turned to Kathy one night and I said, this is, listen to this quote. This is amazing. So it's a little bit long, but I want you to hear this, what he says about this whole idea of what Sabbath is about. He says, we receive revelation from God through several forms, including scripture, prayer, wise mentors, creation, and closed doors. And most Christians will acknowledge that there are some revelations of God that only come through things like the crucible of suffering and storms of life. Few, however, really realize that a similar principle applies to Sabbath. There are, this is what I underline. There are some things God can deposit into our souls only when we unplug completely from work and rest. On Sabbath, something of God's holiness and goodness is revealed. Not simply in the way that he works, but in the way he rests. This means that when we fail to receive God's gift of Sabbath, we miss out on something of God. Something we can't get any other way. And then he says, allow me to illustrate. He says, God commanded the ancient Israelites to let the land remain fallow for a full year after the seventh year. Calling it a sabbatical rest for the land. Why? So he could replenish depleted nutrients in the soil. To work the soil year after year without rest would have left the soil infertile. And listen to what he says here. The soil of our souls is not all that different. Work requires something of us. 
It depletes our energies, our wisdom, our reserves. If we don't allow the soil of our souls to rest, we do violence to ourselves. As human beings, we were created for a balanced rhythm of work and rest. Over time, fatigue and exertion make it more difficult for us to live our lives, live, uh, li for us to live and lead from fruits of the Spirit. God on the Sabbath, God uses, but on the Sabbath, God uses rest, delight, and play to replenish depleted spiritual nutrients such as love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. We receive his love and his replenish, and he replenishes us as persons so we can bear fruit. It's powerful. That's powerful stuff. So, like Jesus, Paul also has some things to say about the Sabbath. He, he has, what he, whoa, what he has to say is that he understood that people needed the Sabbath and that it was more of an attitude of the heart than it was of rule keeping. In the book of Colossians, Paul writes this. He says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food or drink or with regard to festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So really what this means for us is there is freedom in how and when we observe Sabbath. Because Sabbath has been fulfilled in Jesus. It's because of his work on the cross that we can enjoy truly resting in him for our righteousness. Not this legalistic Sabbath that I have to do this way and I have to do it that day. Now, it's important to understand that everything, and this is on your slide as well, everything we see from both the Old and the New Testament concerning Sabbath points to the fact that from the beginning, ultimately, Sabbath is about trust. We'll say that again. Sabbath is about trust. Because the truth that is in order to truly set, and I know some of you have been thinking this in your mind, a whole day to set 24-hour period aside to rest, rejuvenate, and to, and to cease from work both physically, emotionally, and mentally, and to meet with God in a way that truly replenishes our soul, we need to be able to trust that God is our ultimate sustainer and he is our ultimate provider. That he is in control and we are not. That God will take care of any of the, the lost income or the lost preparation time. We can trust God for the have-tos and for the, I got to get this done in order to keep the Sabbath. Do you hear what, do you, do you hear, I can sense what some is going through your brains. Sometimes we come to a time we go, okay, I need a day off, but I still got these things to get done. God is saying, trust me. I have a rhythm. I have a rhythm that is good for you. Trust me. I am your provider, ultimately in control. Now, 
Even though Jesus has set us free from this legalistic Sabbath keeping, we are still meant to adhere to its original purpose of of rest. A friend of mine, Mark Mitchell, pastor of mine, wrote a book called Ten, and in it he says, God made the Sabbath holy, but we have to keep it holy. So how do we do that? Let's get practical here. How do you have a Sabbath day of rest, rejuvenation, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, especially if you have small children at home? How do you do that? Remember, it's about replenishing, knowing that God is the sustainer. Well, here's the beauty. The beauty of this is that we are free to do it in whatever way works for us in accomplishing these things in whatever stage of life we are in. Sabbath keeping is going to look different at different stages of your life. For you, it might mean, along with meeting with God somehow, it's going on a bike ride or a hike or being alone or being with family or working in your garden My personal favorite, taking a nap, watching a movie, having friends over for a meal. If you have small children at home, it's a tough one. You might be thinking, yeah, Sabbath, being able to have a day of quiet reflection, that's probably not in the cards, right? It's probably not. So for you, really, what's going to be important is for you to have appropriate expectations for Sabbath during this time. You're probably not going to have a quiet reflection day, but you still can purposely slow things down for your family. Okay, you can intentionally make sure there's not so much stuff happening. You might have to turn down some birthday invitations or some sports engagements, however that looks for you. So you need to have these expectations, but you can still slow things down, keeping the day as simple as possible, okay? And parents, what we need to do, which I found when our kids were little, really the work was trying, how do I model for them keeping things simple on a Sabbath? How do I model that for them? And that's hard to do. It, this really is hard. Like any of the commandments, any of the things about living the Christian life, it just doesn't come like, oh, I know that. Okay, I'll do it. No problem. It's not easy. But here's the thing. Ultimately, about Sabbath, ultimately, it's about the importance of detaching ourselves from our everyday work, physically, mentally, and emotionally, and doing things that rejuvenate and renew our bodies and minds and souls. And I know what some of you are thinking that grew up in a hardcore, maybe legalistic set. You're thinking, this sounds way too free. This sounds way too Tony Robbins. This sounds way too just be free. But you guys, this is the God that we have. He's saying, Jesus came. You know, we forget sometimes all the things that impact our life because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And what Jesus did on the cross for us when it comes to Sabbath is allowing us to be free to enjoy ways of being rejuvenated and not getting caught up in that. I got to do, I got to be busy. I have to perform not only for myself, but for God. You can't just rest and relax. Some of you grew up in homes like that. You don't just sit around. You got to be doing something. 
See, I know for me as a pastor for all those years, Monday was my day of Sabbath. And on Mondays I would, I didn't always do a great job of it, but I would try to find ways to intentionally connect with God, typically by walking or hiking, listening to some worship music. Um, But now that I'm no longer a a pastor, Sundays is typically now our day of Sabbath. And for me, it includes um, a refreshing time of connecting with you guys. I mean, I love starting off my day with you guys here. It's a fantastic way to get Sabbath started. Actually, I start last night by disengaging from everything last night, okay? Sometimes I, um, we hang out with you guys. That's another treat. Um, many of you we've gone out to lunch with, things like that. That's a, ha- that's a Sabbath rhythm that for us replenishes us. Not every Sunday, but many Sundays we don't want to do that. It replenishes, or we get together with our kids, our grandkids. Sometimes I need time alone. Sometimes I just need to build a puzzle. Something like, something like that. What any, whatever works, Kathy and I will take a walk. Most Sundays, like I said, I try to take a nap. I don't always succeed at these things, but I don't have to feel like, oh, I didn't do Sabbath just right. I got to remember, wait a second. I am the, I'm his beloved. <laughs> when I mess up, I'm still his beloved. My righteousness is found in him, not in my performance. You see how we can even mess up resting? <laughs> we can even mess up getting rejuvenated. Oh, I didn't do it right. Guilt, guilt, guilt. No. We're free. We're free. We're free to participate in Sabbath in whatever way helps us best to cease from our work and rest and replenish our souls and to trust that he is ultimately in control and we'll think and we'll look different for different seasons of our lives. The truth is, and we all know this, there will always be more to do. The house can always get cleaner. Things can always get done. To do, I'm a to-do list guy. And the bad thing about being a to-do list guy is at the end of the day, when I still have things on my to-do list, no matter how great the day was, it's, ugh, I got four things on my to-do list still. All right, move them to tomorrow. Fail. It's so, there's, there's always stuff to get done. But how am I learning, though, to trust that God is for me and he'll still take care of my needs? The way I'm going to do that is by taking a day to just take some time off. It's about rhythm of having this rhythm of life to help us deepen in our intimacy with God. And I know that's what we all want here. I want to kind of end our time here with a testimony that my wife and I heard um, some years back while at our son's freshman orientation at Westmont College, repping back there. Um, A a young woman, this upperclassman, she came up, um, she was part of this panel with some other students on stage and, excuse me, she had a very intriguing answer to a question that was posed to the panel. And here's the question. The question was, what is the best advice that you can give this group of incoming freshmen to help them succeed at Westmont? And really her her answer absolutely blew us away. She said, commit to practicing Sabbath. And then she elaborated. She said that once she decided to commit to Sunday as her day of rest, she began to thrive 
and enjoy college and life in general. It also helped her to grow in her walk with God. This 21-year-old girl made the conscious decision to stop doing homework on Sundays. Why? I wish I'd remembered that. Thought of that in college. She made Sunday Sabbath a priority by being careful to get her homework done on Fridays and Saturdays, keeping her books closed on Sundays. On Sundays, she would go to church, she would nap, take a walk, get together with friends, limit her social media, but she would not study or do laundry on Sunday. None of it. She was committed to obey, not only obeying this commandment, but leaning into fully enjoying the goodness and the gift that this commandment was to her. I mean, we were just shocked and inspired all at the same time. For this young woman, sticking to her commitment to practice Sabbath, and we really noticed that it required three things. I put these in the last slides there. Three, th- three main things, and I believe that these can help us as well when it comes to keeping Sabbath, because this is not easy. This is not easy, especially the way that we are wired and our society has helped wire us. Okay, so the first thing is this. Go against culture. That's the first one. The truth is practicing Sabbath is actually countercultural. And unfortunately, it's countercultural in the Christian world as well. Being busy or being productive at all times is often seen as a badge of success, isn't it? I got to be busy or not just busy. I got to be productive. Ooh, that one hits me for sure. We need to fight against that mindset if we're going to truly enjoy Sabbath. Second thing, plan ahead. Plan ahead. The reality is that for most of us is if we don't have our Sabbath planned into our schedules, it will most likely be pushed aside. Oftentimes, this will require us to make choices about what we commit ourselves to and what we commit our family members to and how that might disrupt our Sabbath or what we're intentional about getting done ahead of time, like laundry, shopping, meal prep, all that stuff so that we are free to truly enjoy Sabbath. And the final thing, the third one, sticking to Sabbath requires us to do probably is to trust God. This is the hardest one. Trust God with what doesn't get done. Trust God with what doesn't get done. And this, like I said, this is probably the most difficult one. I know it is for me. As much as I want God to be in control, I know if I were to ask you, do you want God to be in control of your life? You'd probably say, oh, yes, I do. But I know for me, as much as I want God to be in control of every area of my life, when it gets down to it, I want to be in control. I want to feel like I've succeeded. I want to feel like I've been productive. I want to feel like I've been a productive person, not only to myself, but into my family and to society. But am I willing to let go of that? Am I willing to let go of that deep need in order to allow God to do a deeper work in me? That like Pete Scazzaro said in that one quote where he said that so often God can only, the Spirit of God can only implant things into our lives as we step back, stop, and 
rest. I have to constantly remind myself of the truth that, that God will supply every one of my needs according to his riches and glory. Do we believe it? Do we truly believe that God will supply all my needs? Well, of course he'll supply all my needs, but I got to do my part. I got to be productive. I got to get that stuff done. Do I believe that God will supply every one of my needs? And let me tell you, this isn't in my notes, but I just thought, it's, you know what? I really believe that to be able to keep Sabbath, one other thing that's necessary is accountability. It would be so easy to say, yeah, I'm going to observe Sabbath. And just like anything else, fudge on it. That's uh, no big deal. But in that, uh, like I said, in that, in that piece, Cazero paragraph, remember that slowly work takes it out of us. Doing things that we feel like we need to do, it, it slowly takes away, it takes away the nutrients of our life. And God wants to set those nutrients back into our life. And he doesn't do it by us feeling like we've accomplished a lot. He does it by getting us to trust him and step back, stop, rest, enjoy life, have fun, be with people, enjoy me. 24 hours, do that. And if you have a hard time doing that, get someone to help you. Say, I have a hard time with Sabbath. Can we be accountable? I think that'd be a wonderful thing. So my friends, Sabbath is a tremendous gift from God. It's meant to have a profound impact on our whole person, our mind, our bodies, and our soul to make us to have a more rest-filled life and deeper intimacy with God that impacts every single area of our lives. Our work, our jobs, our parenting, our inner mental health, all of it. Sabbath is meant to impact every one of those. So now do you see why it's the most wordy commandment of all the Ten Commandments? And we think we go against God or we think that we fall short in so many other areas. How often are we willing to say, God, I'm sorry. I fall short in this area. I've sinned. But thank you. <laughs> thank you that you love me. And thank you that you've provided this for me. Help me to lean into it. May we learn by his power and his grace to be intentional in observing Sabbath in order that we will live in freedom to experience life fully as God intended. Let's pray. Father God, even as I speak these words, I, I sense a, in my own nature a pushback that the world and myself over the years has really imputed into me that I need to accomplish, that I need to be doing things. I need to feel like I'm productive in order to feel good about myself and for you to love me. God, I, I confess. I confess that to you. We confess that as a community. God, thank you for your grace, your goodness, and your love that we are your beloved. 
Help us, God, in this area of keeping of Sabbath. Help us to truly allow you to love us. Help us to allow you to be in control. Help us allow you, help us to let go. Help us to let you take control of everything so that we can experience you in ways that you desire us to do. Not in a legalistic way, not because we have to to earn it, because you desire to lavish us with it. Thanks for your love. Thanks for Sabbath. In Christ's name, 